I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. And uh, we are super excited to say unto you, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen indeed. Alleluia. Hot diggity. Um, we are here in the beginning of a brand new series for Easter Tide. And uh, hopefully, your life has recently involved celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe the Easter lilies are starting to lose some of their. Uh, gloss to them. Uh, but Easter is this season that ripples outward with new life in all sorts of directions. And so we thought it would be good in this new series to unpack the bigger question, how does new life show up in our life as Christians? Uh, and we're going to go lots of different directions in our contemporary lives, but we thought a good place to start would be, we, why do we connect giving life with this season of Easter, how is it that Jesus has something to do with giving us life? So let's start there, even if it seems obvious. Erica, how does Jesus give us life? Well, let's see. Uh, Jesus was raised from the dead, and because he was raised from the dead, so will we be raised uh, someday at the great resurrection? I mean, I know it sounds obvious, and it is for people that have been in the church forever, but it's something that we shouldn't take for granted yeah. you know we we hear the story every year we know the story but you know so often it just becomes a story again and mm -hmm. we forget that no this is reality this is the good news of the gospel it, it's, oh, go ahead sir it, it's like th this is such a crazy story to me right because like since we do hear it so often like we come at it with such a matter of fact thing but Every once in a while at funerals, especially funerals with open caskets, I I just kind of stop and I think about what it would be like if the resurrection were to happen right here, right now with this mm. person who's in the casket. Like none of us are expecting that. And yet we all yeah. profess that we are. And so it's this tension that I think a lot of Christians have. We we confess when we confess the creeds every week in worship that we believe in the resurrection. And if we say we believe in Jesus's resurrection, then we are saying that we believe in our own resurrection. That's going mm -hmm. to happen at some point. Right. And so. But yet when we bury our dead, we are saying goodbye and we're fully not anticipating them just jumping back out of their graves. Like it's this tension that we have. It, 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 it's, it's sort of like, because everything else in our everyday life sure makes it seem like death still gets the last word. And that mm -hmm. absent the New Testament, there is like zero evidence for why we can be 100% certain of life beyond it. You might have a hope, but like it, the, the notion that Jesus is alive again does completely change what it is. So bury somebody that you love or to walk through a cemetery, you're going to consider our own mortality and all the other evidence around us sure looks like death gets the last word and to say, and yet we believe something different. That's, that's pretty dramatic. I want to even uh, suggest coming at it from another angle 
that I I think might be um, maybe not evident in the 21st century, at least for for church folk who, again, like you say, are used to this connection between Jesus' resurrection and ours. But I think even that idea that one person rising from the dead makes implications for the rest of humanity, that's a pretty radical idea, too, Mm -hmm. because... Uh, I mean, I, I just know a handful of uh, uh, Greek myths and Roman myths and things like that from, you know, elementary school days or whatever. But there are plenty of stories where a god or demigod or something like that goes down to the underworld and experiences death and comes back up. But nobody said, well, Persephone went into the underworld and then came comes back in the springtime. So we all live again when we die. Or plenty of uh, mythologies have gods who <laughs> die and rise. Mm-hmm. Mithras was another one. But th- there wasn't this leap toward Jesus, the human being, dies and rises, and that it's not just, well, good news for Jesus, but that we it is possible for us to, to live again, even though we don't have divine or semi-divine powers. Um, if you don't mind a spoiler alert, um, and by the time this episode airs, it will be less of a spoiler. Uh, my son and I went to go see the new Shazam movie, um, because he's 11 and I have the... Um, entertainment styles of an 11 year old um and spoiler alert uh shazam has a death and resurrection moment where it's like he dies and they even have a burial uh and then my my son was looking at me because we on before we go into the movie i was like get ready for shazam three if they can make another movie make more money and he goes no i bet he's gonna die in this movie and then when he dies my son looks over at me you want to take that bet still dad i don't think they're gonna make a third movie and i look at him and said you just wait five minutes this movie is not done yet they they brought superman back from the dead they're gonna bring and what do you know (laughs) but at the end of the movie when shazam literally climbs up out of the hole in the ground where they buried him the explanation is oh well he's sort of like a god he's sort of semi-divine or something like that so it's true for him there is no hope at the end of the movie. Well, now all human beings will rise from the dead because Shazam is alive again. It's just good news because you're a demigod, Shazam. Um, and I guess so much of how human history and storytelling has worked has been okay with imagining rare exceptions of somebody who cheats death or defies death or comes back from the realm of the dead, but not to make the link toward everybody else now has life because one person rose from the dead. That's a pretty audacious claim. I mean, even other resurrection stories throughout Scripture in both exactly. the Old and New Testament yep. are individuals. I'm, I'm thinking of Lazarus, you know, is the big one. Yes, Lazarus was raised from the dead. You know, Jesus raises a little girl from the dead. Elijah or Elisha, whichever one, you know, raises someone from the dead. Yep. But again, it's that one person. And I've never thought of it this way, Steve, I guess because I've always been so entrenched in Christianity my entire life that... Yeah, the typical story is, okay, somebody might be raised from the dead, but that doesn't mean anything for anyone else. Right, right, right. But for Jesus, it does. The way those stories in the Hebrew scriptures are told, you don't get a conclusion of, and because Elisha raised the the widow's son, you too will live. No, it's just a good, boy, good news for that widow because her son is back. And the assumption is eventually that son grew old and died and maybe, you know, got to see his own grandkids or something like that. But that was a temporary resuscitation and that it's dramatically different what the New Testament claims about Jesus resurrection. I mean, like even like 
when um, somebody in one of our congregations has um, a miraculous seeming like uh, turn in their health. You know, they get a bad cancer diagnosis and they go mm-hmm. through the treatments and it's in remission. That's good news for them. But I don't immediately go and therefore everybody with cancer gets better. No, I know better. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And the it really is something outlandish to say Christians believe and have just sort of said matter of factly for 2000 years Jesus came out of the tomb in a way that's different from your uncle who got over cancer or your grandmother who beat a heart attack or even the widow's son that Elijah raises or even Lazarus. Something is different about Jesus. And the fact that Jesus is still alive, like you said, Steve, all those other stories, yes, they were raised temporarily, but eventually, even though scripture doesn't tell us, we just assume that they, they lived a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And eventually they died again. Right, right, right. Um, and again, that that's not part of Jesus's story. Right. Jesus is alive. Um, Two thousand years later, he's still alive. He will be for all of eternity, and so will we when resurrection comes. And that's just how do you explain that to somebody who wasn't you know, surrounded with this story and been been told the story their entire lives and get them to understand that. Right. To me, that also helps make sense of like why so often in the snippets we get of the early church's witness into the book of Acts or Paul's letters or things like that, like they keep coming back to like, here's the crazy, amazing thing about this faith I bring to you. I'm telling you this guy who was a homeless itinerant rabbi who got executed by the empire on a Roman death stake is alive again and forever alive. Like, yeah, that that's the headline right there. And that's it, it's interesting how often like that, it's God's defeat of death that is the headline. And we found all sorts of other ways to complicate it. But like the New Testament is like, this is the thing you got to latch on to. This is what makes mm-hmm. Jesus different from Mithras or Hercules or Ra or Apollo. You know, p- pick another deity. But Jesus, human being who rises from the dead, that's dramatic. And, and maybe this is a place to also say that also changed or or reinvented maybe uh some of the the ancient jewish hope of general resurrection as well which is something that morphed and grew over time that that's fair to say too you see in the witness of what we call the old testament of the hebrew scriptures development in the idea of rising from the dead um but even at that if for those groups that did have that kind of belief uh prior to jesus the sense was when messiah comes or when god's the day of the lord comes It'll all happen at once, and we'll know it's the end of the world because God will raise the dead, end of story, kingdom, or something like that. And again, the dramatic thing the New Testament said is Jesus rises as like the first fruits. So the rest of us are still living in the world where it looks like death rules, but there's the still the hope that even though we aren't there yet, Jesus coming is what inaugurates this new reality, even though now we are 2,000 years later and counting, waiting for that grand final resurrection. Could I pose a question to both of you then? Like we've spent a fair amount of time introductory wise, appropriately saying part of how Jesus gives life is the hope of life beyond death for us. That when we die, that's not the end of the story because it wasn't the end of the story for Jesus. But is that is that all we, we mean when we say Jesus gives life? Is it just sort of heavenly fire insurance? Jesus gives life in the sense that when you die, you will come back to life again. Or is there something more 
uh, maybe even more present tense-ish that we mean? So besides resurrection, when I think of Jesus giving life, I think of all of the healing stories that we see in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so, so the Greek word to heal or to save salvation is sozo, which means healing, to make whole, to save. Like it's it's all of these things wrapped up into one. And so when we translate sozo into English, we kind of have to pick and choose well, which one are we talking about right now? Are we talking about salvation? Are we talking about healing? What are we what are we talking about? But in the Greek, it's much more encompassing. It's more holistic than that. And so in particular, I think of all of those healing stories where there is a physical ailment being cured, but there's also a restoration to relationship, to community. Like, for example, the um, when the lepers are healed and they not not only are they cured of their leprosy, but they are able to go back to their priests and to be declared clean. And then they can go home again. They yeah. can be back with their families, back in their communities and that that healing is so much more than just saying, oh, you no longer have leprosy. I even think about that story um, and, and that spin you put on it helps make this story feel a lot more like a happy ending. Um, the story about Jesus and the man with demons, or if it's Matthew's story, the two guys with demons uh, in the country of the Gerasenes. Mm-hmm. So Jesus crossed over to Gentile territory and cast all the demons out in the pigs. And the pigs drown. And, um, at the end, the man who's now healed wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus' response is, no, go back to your home. Um, and f- I think at some point in my early faith life, I thought, boy, Jesus is rejecting this guy. That's kind of harsh, Jesus. But I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's it's more in line with exactly what you're saying, Sarah, that this is, no, you're not just uh, healed from the power of the demons, but now you get your life back. The point of all this is now you get to be around your family and your job and your village and your community. That's what I've given you back. The, the, the fullness of the healing is not you get whisked away somewhere else for everybody to make fun of him. And when Jesus goes back to, gent- to Jewish territory, he'll be the outlier that everybody he hates because he's you know gentile but now jesus given him back his life uh that's an important part of what it means to say jesus gives life yeah because i i think i think frequently with that story of like the 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 man saying oh i want to follow you i'm going to dedicate my life to you because you've given me back my life and it's jesus being able to say no i fully give you back your life like go back to your life because you know, otherwise, because I feel like that was a pretty common thing, or at least like in like myths and legends and fairy tales that I've read, like that's, that's such a thing, right? You save somebody's life, like somebody saves your life. And then so you like pledge to follow them to the ends of the earth, no matter right. what scrapes they get into, you're going to be there to help them out, whatever, in whatever capacity. And, um, but if the man had done that, then he wouldn't have been living his life. He mm-hmm. would have been living whatever life, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the life of a servant, the life of a, I don't know, sure. whatever role he would play in a, sure. the disciples. Sure. And while it's, it's true to say there are other times where Jesus will call somebody and they leave behind their fishnets or their tax booth or whatever. 
at least it seems like part of this story, which is a healing story rather than a disciple calling story, Mm -hmm. is about that sense of part of what you're given when Jesus heals you is not just relief from a physical malady, but that restoration to the wholeness of your life, including community, including the things that make your life your life. I think it's also a good reminder that not all of Jesus's disciples were called to follow Jesus all the time. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. literally follow, like they are probably following Jesus, but like they can do that from their own home in their own community. Right. And not necessarily give everything up. Like, right. Cause you know, every once in a while we'll get stories where it's just like a by thought of like, Oh yeah, they stayed in such and such disciples house. And it's not one of the 12 disciples, <laughs> right? But it is a disciple and they're yeah. staying mm-hmm. in their house yeah. and they're being fed. And so, you know, discipleship seems to be coming from a variety of different places and callings. Yeah. And um, we just hear about yeah. that one type, the, the right. drop everything and follow right. me. But that doesn't seem to be what everyone's being called to do. Yeah, yeah. I even think about the story uh, in Acts about the Ethiopian eunuch who meets Philip and is baptized and comes a follower of Jesus. And by the end of the story, just goes on his way home. He's never going to join. At that point, there's one congregation in Jerusalem. He's not going to be a member there. He goes back and lives his life. And Ethiopian Christianity traces its history and says, we look back to that guy. But like nothing else changes for him. Uh, He goes merrily on his way rejoicing. Um, And the the story doesn't portray that as as a sad ending or a disappointment. But yeah, this guy's life has changed. But then he goes and lives that life. So that's a piece of what we mean to say Jesus gives life, uh, is that sometimes when Jesus gets his hands on us, it's not just we get to uh, be assured we'll live after we die. But in this life, there's wholeness. In this life, there's sometimes healing from ailment, possibly, but also restoration to community is a part of what it is to be connected to Jesus. And that if whatever we think Christianity is separates us from community, somehow we're getting something wrong. (laughs) Um, are there other ways that we might talk about uh, how Jesus, especially in the New Testament witness, uh, brings people more fully to life or gives life to people? Yeah, we talked about physical healings, mm-hmm. but I think I'm thinking of a couple of different stories, particularly the woman at the well. Sure. Um, and while there's no physical healing there, I, I think her connection back to her community. Yeah is something that Jesus gives her because, you know, that he meets this woman at the well. She's coming at the well at high noon because she's got a past. She's had five husbands. She's with a guy who's not currently her husband. Um, you know, she's at the well at noon so that the other women aren't making fun of her and, and picking on her and everything like that. And yet she goes back to her village to tell them who she's met at this well. And they come and they meet Jesus and he stays with them for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, we don't get more of her story about what happened, but the people do say, at first we believe because you told us. Mm-hmm. Now we believe because we have met him and, yeah. and seen him face to face. But I, I, I'm curious what her story looked like yeah. after that moment. Yeah. And if her past kind of like, they were able to look past her, her past with all these men um and she was welcomed back into the community because she introduced them to jesus to the messiah 
And at the very least, Jesus treats it like it's a non-issue, right? There's no point yeah, where Jesus yeah. is like, oh, what a scandal. Like Jesus just sort of, it's almost like when Jesus mentions it, it's more like, if you're worried I'm going to find out, don't worry, I already know. And I'm not mm-hmm. bringing any judgment or shame on you. So if, if, if that was, if that was something keeping you, you know, at arm's length, I know, don't worry about it. I guess in a similar way, like when Jesus, uh, you know, um, calls Matthew the tax collector or goes to Zacchaeus's house, there's nothing miraculous, mm-hmm. but like it's a, it's a, Jesus has a way of restoring the humanity of people that others have treated as not good enough, not, you know, unclean or unacceptable or something. Yeah. And it's Jesus, even without doing a miracle, Jesus inclusion of them that brings them more fully to life, that gives them life. And I guess to me, in some ways, that's the more haunting or uh, poignant kind of set of stories, because I, I readily assume I do not, on a day-to-day basis, have miraculous powers. So when I hear a miracle story, I go, okay, this is all Jesus. I don't, I'm not in the business of multiplying loaves or water into wine. Can't do that. But it's stories like those, like your name, mm-hmm. like the woman at the well, or Zacchaeus, that I go, oh, this doesn't require any miraculous power but this can bring somebody else to life to treat somebody else with the love and dignity that Jesus does. And that does bring people fully to life. It might not be a front page headline because it doesn't violate the laws of physics, but mm-hmm. it's, um, it's something that is life giving nonetheless. I, and I, I, I know think that those, I still think that those moments are miraculous though. Sure. Like in, in the sense that we are, our, our communities, our churches, we're all made up of these broken individuals who are both saints and sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's 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 pretty gosh darn easy for us to <laughs> sin. Sure. And sure. I mm-hmm. feel like the more of us that we get together, the more likely it is that we're going to mess it up and to yeah. sin. And so, anytime that we can actually accomplish that life giving thing for yeah. a person yeah what a miracle like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i it's only by the grace of god that we didn't mess it up and i that, that that's a helpful way of framing it. like for me it's more just like i want to let myself off the hook when i read a story about jesus raising lazarus from the dead or giving sight to somebody who's blind because there is no way i have that skill set and if it happens mm-hmm. i definitely go okay that was totally god not me i did not anticipate that but there's nothing stopping me other than my tendency to sin, but there's nothing stopping me by the laws of nature uh, from loving somebody the way Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus seems unencumbered by the things that encumber me. You know, like there's all sorts of ways I get hung up on fear or what if I speak up or what if I'm the person who includes somebody and then somebody's mad at me? Like there's so many reasons we can get hung up on that. Or for that matter, in how many stories where it's, respectable religious people who say religion should keep you from including this person or this person or this person and jesus Mm -hmm. who's like i'm well aware of what your religious rules say and i'm saying zacchaeus i'm coming to your house (laughs) um or i'm saying i'm healing you on the sabbath um and it's it's moments like that that sort of keep me from letting myself off the hook i guess uh but yeah i mean like that i think it is something wondrous if not downright miraculous, or maybe a social miracle, we could call it, that in spite of ourselves, grace is spoken when there's all sorts of reasons that we might instead uh, keep people out or keep people from being fully included. Yeah. Maybe in in, in a similar way, and maybe this is like a, a, a piggyback kind of idea, 
it seems like in the New Testament especially, there is a dramatic change that Jesus' resurrection accomplishes in the the attitude or spirit of the disciples who before Jesus shows up on scene are fearful and afraid and often literally lock themselves inside doors. And it's the presence of Jesus that then gives them the courage to then go outside and tell the news to people or to be a a physical presence in their community. And again, it's not like there's a violation of the laws of physics that they move from cowardly to, to, to brave, but something almost like a miracle happens that when the resurrected Jesus comes in their midst, they're no longer bond up by fear we have to stay inside because we're so afraid they're going to get us to mm-hmm. instead this news is so good we're willing to sound like drunk people um to to go tell the news everywhere and, like something has happened to them and the only way the new testament expa- explains it is say the resurrected jesus gives the holy spirit to them and this makes that kind of difference for them so okay so just so i'm recapping because my brain is a colander jesus death and resurrection gives us hope of life beyond death as well in a way that is unique, different from other stories, even in the Bible. Jesus has a way of bringing people to life when he physically heals them, making them more fully alive, giving them back their their lives, their community, their relationship, the fullness of who they are. Jesus has a way of restoring people to relationship and dignity when he includes people who are regarded as outcasts. He has a way of... uh, giving courage uh, to people who otherwise would have been fearful. Um, are there other ways that we want to say, at least within the biblical witness, that Jesus gives life? I think that based off of my reading interpretation of my favorite chapter of the whole Bible, Revelation 21. Oh, I've read this chapter. God is doing a new thing <clears throat> among us. And God has been doing a new thing for a while, I would say, since Jesus lived on earth, died, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven, but that this new thing is continuing on and it will be fully realized on the last day when, you know, God makes God's home among mortals and death and pain and mourning and sorrow. All of those things will be no more because God has wiped away all of our tears and is doing that new thing. Mm-hmm. So that, that, adds another a piece of this conversation that it's not just the event 2000 years ago that we have hope for life after death but the idea of the promise we get of there's a whole new creation that god has in mind so it's not yeah. just because jesus rose from the tomb at some point you'll be alive in an undefined afterlife experience but new creation is sort of what god's up to and maybe it's worth saying new, not just in the sense of a replacement that is identical to the old one. Um, And it's probably worth saying Greek has a way of saying this, that English doesn't. We have the same word new does double duty for, I bought an exact replacement. Like when my old black shoes, you know, wear out, I buy an identical pair of new black shoes, but no, this is new and a new, a new kind of new. Um, And the, the way the scriptures talk about that new kind of new the new creation is not dependent on the engine of death anymore, like life as we know it is. Everything in the way we experience life depends mm-hmm. on something else dying, whether it's a plant or another animal or something, but something dies to perpetuate something else to live. And the new creation doesn't seem to be powered that same way, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. There's a lot of imagery in the book of Revelation of like the lion laying down with the lamb. 
and you know other such imagery of like the predator and the prey are now coexisting in a peaceful way and that's because like in our in our world often things need to eat other things and okay not often everything needs <laughs> to eat something in order to survive in order to live in order to continue living and for quite a few animals that means eating other animals to get that protein right so um in this new creation it sure does sound like to me that we don't need to have death in order for our life to continue so i don't need to rely on i need to eat this cow for protein in order to live and it's probably worth saying this is the kind of life that i can't quite describe how does that work in the in a, in a way similar mm-hmm. to in the resurrection stories when jesus appears he like somehow is jesus and yet nobody recognizes him at first and he can pass through walls like the resurrected jesus body is different and if somebody asks me how does that work i just go i don't know that's part of resurrection mystery i don't know but the witness is it's jesus so the jesusness of jesus continues but he's somehow different in a new, in a new way that creation is like that too that it's creation and yet that that you and i will retain the you and i-ness of us and yet somehow we will be different uh and nothing has to die. i don't know how to describe it but i had never really put that together before that there are both moments of resurrected jesus who walks through closed locked doors and moments where resurrected <laughs> like in the exact same story of mm-hmm. people touching resurrected jesus and being able to like touch his body and it's solid it's almost like Jesus is Kitty Pride from X Men. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we have an X Men reference. Finally, some nerd yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, I, I agree. The Jesusness of Jesus is still there. We can't describe what it will look like for lions, for example, to not have to eat other animals because I just cannot visualize lions eating meat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even that, right? Like that mm-hmm. image of these plants have to die in order that I may live and we're all pretty okay with that right we're pretty okay with plants needing to die in order for us to eat them like i haven't seen anybody protest that Um, (laughs) but like that is another example of where death needs to happen in order for our life to continue Mm -hmm. and so in a world where death isn't a thing anymore is that how we get our nutrients right right who knows right i can't tell you that Someday we'll get to experience it and all of our questions will be answered. That's not today listening to the podcast, unless it's happening right now as you're listening to the podcast. In which case, cool. We're there. We're there. We made it, everybody. Yay. I even want to go even further than that. Like, even plants require sunlight to produce uh, their uh, nutrients for their life. And the book of Revelation 2021 or in chapter 21 says there is no more sun anymore for the lamb will be their light. Like our whole way of thinking about new creation is completely like a whole new way of thinking. Um, It's it's um, I'll I'll, I'll, um, out nerd your a comic book reference it's like the line in star trek where uh dr mccoy will go is life jim but not as we know it like that the whole business of the star trek shows is like finding life like we know it or life like we can identify it and in some sense the christian hope is it will still be us and yet somehow it's not life like we experience it because all we know is life that is built on something else dying 
So it sounds like there's a lot of ways that Jesus gives life, even just staying within the bounds of the New Testament. And while hopefully, wherever you are listening, you are regularly connected with some kind of faith community that is helping to explicate those week in and week out, especially in these days of Eastertide, um, we're going to take a look in upcoming episodes about maybe more concrete boots on the ground, real ways in 21st century life that uh, we have a need for life to be given to us and how being a part of the Jesus community helps us to give life or to be given life. So we'll invite you to join us for more conversation here this Eastertide here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all.